podcast hosting provided by Transistor. If you want to host your own show, head over to Transistor.fm and start a 14-day free trial. Hello and welcome to the Region Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Dino, and I'm here once again with Nath and a special guest. That's me, I think. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've got Toby Bloom on the show, uh, and um, we're really excited, as he was actually at the Marrakesh E-Prix, so we'll have plenty of insight for you. So, uh, yeah. Let's get started. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys, well, doing? First of all, most important thing, how are you two? Yeah, very well. That's good. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing well. I'm doing well as well. Um, I am currently uh, in a state of limbo between uh, moving houses, so I'm currently um, living out of a suitcase, and I'm I'm sitting here with my laptop in front of me, holding a mic on a on a random bed. Um, and so so yeah. But apart from that, I'm I'm good. Nice. Good. It's uh it's summer here in New Zealand, so. We've just got back from holiday and um, back to work, unfortunately. So, lots of planning and and getting getting into the new year at the moment. How warm is it? How warm is it in New Zealand right now? It's so stinking hot right now. I'm also it's also because I'm I'm cooped up in a room. There's the neighbours lawn mowing at the mm. moment. It's probably what seven o'clock in the evening. It's still pretty hot. So I've got all the curtains closed, the windows <laughs> closed, and so I'm just like slowly getting warmer and warmer. Just to, to drown out that noise. Christchurch isn't as bad. It's more oh, late teens, so it's not too bad today. But uh, okay. Oh, how about how about you, Toby? How are you doing? Well, it's winter in Germany, and the south of Germany is literally just a couple of meters of snow, and the north is rain. It's awful in Germany. But when I was in, in Marrakesh, I really enjoyed it. It's like spring there. However. At oh, nights, as soon as the sun dips under the horizon, it's freaking cold. I was yeah. surprised by that. I mean, you know it, of course, before you go to Mar- to Morocco anyway, but mm-hmm. that's the first time I, I experienced it. First time for me in Africa as well. It's, hmm. in, yeah, Morocco still is part of the Western Sahara Desert. So any desert, it gets really, really cold at night. So while we had around 20 degrees celsius over the midday we had four in the at the night in the nights so that's really cold wow and that took some time getting used to that mate a bit (laughs) (laughs) very good and so talking about marrakesh uh you had a lap in the the bmw i8 safety car how was that oh yeah i had oh that was amazing i've i only found out about that literally the day before i was supposed to get the drive I was really surprised by, for getting invited, but they had a couple of journalists do a lap in the i8. Um, Some had just a usual casual i8, and I did a lap in the actual safety car with Bruno Correa. He's he's the safety car driver, obviously. Wow. And he knows how to drive a race car, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's been a race car driver awesome. for, for the last 10 years or so. has been doing lots of races in, in Morocco as well, so he knows, he really does know the track. And he was not driving it slowly, I can tell that. Oof. It was an amazing experience, especially coming out of turns 11 and 9, if I'm not completely mistaken. Just the Atlas Mountains in the background, the view, the scenery, the backdrop, amazing. That's the one that they take all the pictures of when they're, um, you know, yeah, buy tickets, look at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> So it was a spectacular, spectacular lap. Fantastic, fantastic oh, experience. Awesome. Yeah. Brilliant. And you also had a couple of interviews while you were there. Anyone of note? Hmm. First time speaking to Pascal Verlein, obviously. Um, then I really enjoyed talking to Max Günther. Of course, the Germans are really, I'm not really close to, to my heart, but to my German readers' hearts, and they want to know particular things about particular drivers and that's mostly the Germans Absolutely. and mm-hmm. p- 
plus Max Günther obviously is a really really nice guy especially in German I don't know he's in he's cool in English interviews as well but I, I've been speaking to Max for a couple of months now multiple times I have a podcast as well with my German German formulary page and we had him on as a special guest even before the season started in episode 100 as sort of a special guest and we've been speaking for him for literally two hours straight so he's a really really open-minded guy um similar age to me as well so that makes things easier um really good to talk to him as always yeah okay so um yeah what uh what type of journalism do you do and um yeah uh the the podcast uh what is it and where can people find it um, so yeah, as I said, I do audio journalism, of course, with a podcast. Um, it's the ePod, as it's called, in German, of course, sadly. So for all German listeners right now, there's a German podcast as well, which has me on. Um, it's called the ePod. It's a weekly podcast about formulary. Um, I do some audio tidbits for that as well. We have a Patreon page with like premium content. I do that. And the majority of what my type of journalism is is written journalism i work for eformal.de in germany and we have daily formulary stories just i mean there are plenty of other websites out there that specialize on motorsports but just a few that specialize on formulary and we've mm-hmm. been around since day one specializing on formulary and that's what I mainly do. A couple of articles a week for the German Formula E fan base, if that's a thing. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Before we get into the next part of the show, which is Media of the Week, of course, uh, shout out to Tom and John from EPRE Talk as well. Uh, they have a great podcast. I'm a, I'm a guest on there sometimes, and that's that's really how I got into doing this, um, podcasting about Formula E. So, it's good to good to see that they're back doing it again for season five. So, yep, shout out to those guys and and hope they hope they go well. Media of the week. We'll start with you, Nath. What do you got? Oh, I'm I feel very boring and inadequate this week. I have wow, that's I have, yeah <laughs> way to get psyched up for it. I know. Well, sorry, guys, I'm really letting the team down here. Um, to be honest, I really I actually don't have any media of the week. I've been um I've been so busy the last few weeks that I feel like I haven't actually had a chance to consciously sit down and listen to anything or watch anything. So I'm going to uh, going to have to take a take a pass on this one. Alrighty. Yeah, so there is a new podcast by Mahindra called Straight Talk. It's good to have some background on the team uh, and uh, and the prep that goes into, well, uh, a Formula E weekend. And Nikki Shields is the presenter. Uh, it's a it's a real neat podcast and, and worth a listen for for any Formula E fan. So uh, yeah, give that a listen. I think um, nice. Felix Rosenquist makes an appearance, and I think he gets given the mic for the first episode since they've you know I think that was his last day on the job. Yeah, have a listen. Excellent. Have they just got the the one or two episodes so far? Yeah, they've only got the one episode, but it may be two oh, yeah. by the time this goes out. But yeah, yeah, yep. So it's just just started. And Toby, I still have to listen to that. I've seen them starting the podcast, but I still couldn't get around to listening to it. Still, one of the things on my to do list for this week. My media of the week. Um, is Hazel Southwell's EV thread on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen her or heard of her or if you've read anything of her, but she's a former journalist as well. And apart from obviously being a great and fantastic writer, she's made a name for herself on Twitter recently um, for starting a monstrous thread. It started out with, for every tweet, I'm quoting her now, This uh, for every like this tweet gets, I will tweet a, about a weird electric vehicle. And she ended up getting 462 likes by the time of this recording. Wow. <laughs> Way to put and, it out there. Oh. And show, busy. show Yeah, and show, show, so she started. Difficult for me. Uh, so, so she started. And... Um, tweeted and tweeted and tweeted and added one car to the other there are some hilarious background stories to these cars and she all shared that and didn't quite manage to 
do the 462, but I ended after 200 and said, well, that's pretty much all you need. I mean, I can do, <laughs> two, I, I can do 200 cars easily, so what proof more do you need yeah, that's for a good the fact that anyway. electric cars are, are the future? And um, yeah, that's my media of the week. Her 200 tweet long thread about electric cars. Yeah, Mate, I'm going to have to uh, go and go and check that out. You can find her at um, 8hsouthwellfe on Twitter. I'll put that in the show notes for sure. That sounds interesting. And there's quite a few people that, um, that talk about or have EV podcasts now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm big into that. So I'll definitely be checking it out. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Nath, do you want to introduce the Marrakesh test entry list for us? So, in news this week, um, obviously there's the big news item of the week with the uh, Marrakesh EPRI, um, but also uh, had some testing in Marrakesh. We did. So, who have who have we got racing uh, or testing for the for the teams in this test? Yes. So we'll uh, let's just let's just alternate this so I don't just read out a huge block of text and bore you all. Um, but Audi Sport, um, App Schaeffler had Nico Mueller and Jamie Green. Uh, DS Tachita had James Roster and Tatiana Calderon. Yep. Mahindra Racing, I'm going to mess up some of these names, so apologies in advance. Um, Sam De Jong and Sergey uh, Sirotkin. <laughs> I yeah. just love having people try and <laughs> do these names. I've, it's one of my I favorite feel like things. You've thrown me under the bus here, Dean. Um, why don't I you take the next couple? Keep then? going. <laughs> okay. So in Vision Virgin Racing, we've got Nick DeVries and uh, Benoit Trulia, um, Nissan, uh, Jan Mardenborough, and Mitsunori Takaboshi, uh, Panasonic Jaguar, Pietro Fitchapa. Pietro Fittipaldi <laughs> and Harry Tinknell, uh, Venturi, Norman Nato and Arthur Leclerc, uh, Jamie Chadwick and Jake Hughes for Neo, GOX Dragon, Antonio Fuoco, uh, and BMW I Andretti, Bruno Spengler and Marco Whitman, and HWA Race Lab, Daniel Juncadella and Raphael Marciello. Uh, you, were, you were going for Sam Diong and Sergei Sorotkin. So, that's, Mah- that's Mahindra, yeah. Yeah. I, um, so, Toby, you'd be quite um, a bit more familiar with a few of these names. Obviously, Sergey Sorokin, uh, ex-Formula One, and uh, Jamie Chadwick seems to be doing a lot of testing for Neo. Was there anyone that surprised you in this test? Mm, I mean, when they announced the list, Benoit Trelouillet really surprised me because he's a three-time Le Mans winner. He's over 40, I think, if I'm not doing him just justice there. But um, he's hmm, he probably was the oldest test driver in the test and he's really, really well-known in, in motorsports generally. It was fantastic seeing him just being one of the other rookies and mm. being as inexperienced as any other driver there. Apart from him, obviously, the big, big part of the or former DTM drivers taking part in the test, we have Nico Müller, Jamie Green, um, 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 who else is there? Bruno Spangler, Marco Whitman, of course, the both BMW testers. Daniel Hunkadea also did race in DTM. And add to that the current former re drivers, Antonio Felix da Costa, Eduardo Motara, um, Mauro Engel, who obviously now is out of the series, did DTM as well. Robin Frains did race in DTM. So there's quite a big connection to the German touring car series. And mm. that's a thing that really surprised me. Okay. And uh, what did you make of Sergei Sorokin? Oh, he was good. He was really on it. I was sitting... So so I was there for the test only for the morning session, but I was sitting on the grandstand and watching how the cars are behaving through the chicane. And Sergei Sorokin was on it. He was absolutely on it. And pushing the car, riding the curbs, cutting the chicane because he was pushing so so much. I think the 
Of course, timing sheets don't always do the performance of each driver justice because obviously teams do run different testing programs. And um, I interviewed Nick de Vries after the after the test, and he told me that they weren't running laps higher than two hundred kilowatts of race mode in the mornings. And of course, when you when you write an article, you focus on who's quickest, obviously. Mm, yeah. yeah, for sure. But teams were running different, well, were different performance programs and weren't aiming for for the quickest lap. Mm. And that's the thing we have to have to bear in mind when talking about the test results. Yeah. For sure, uh, and Tatiana Calderon, she's uh, she tested in, in the first test in Adiria. She's back for another round. How'd she go? Mm-hmm. Oh, she had a really, really good time in the car. Tatiana Calderon ended up being sixth faster for fastest of all. So that's that was really surprising. End of the morning session in P two, and if you collect all the times, accumulate them, she's she was sixth fastest of all. And if you compare that to her performance from Riyadh at Deria, where she was, I think, still in the top 15, I think, but I think a couple of tenths of a second, if not seconds, off the fastest lap. Wow. That's really surprising to see her up that far, but lovely to see, her up, to see her up that far because she deserves it. She's a fantastic driver and once again proved to, well, all the women in, in motor racing um, that they can drive and that they can mm. compete on the same level as the boys um, she did run in the morning but didn't get a chance to test out the car in the afternoon I think it is because Tachita wanted or DS wanted to try out the same thing or, or, or two different things on, the, on, on two cars but needed James Rossiter as well the the unchanged component, if that makes any sense. So they wanted him yeah. to drive both cars in the afternoon, and that's what he did. As far as I'm concerned, maybe I'm completely wrong here, but that's as far as I'm concerned. James Rossiter did do both cars on the afternoon, and I was seeing well Tasha Calderon walking through the paddock. So I think that's that's a yeah. fair assumption then that he tried both cars. Interesting. Perfect. Some good insight. Um, I'm going to skip Alan McNish likes attack mode because, yep, that's, that's not really much anymore. <laughs> don't cool. don't we all like attack mode? Yeah, we do. It's, e- it's even won me over. We're two races in and I was, I was I mean, you know, sceptical about new changes, but it's been so exciting to watch so far. Yeah, well, actually, let's, let's go into it. So, Audi team principal, Alan McNish... He reckons that the new attack mode concept has helped uh, keep keep racing in the championship uh, in brackets uh, robust for the championship's fifth season. So this is the system that uh, raises the power from 200 kilowatts to 225 kilowatts for set periods of time. And, and basically what it is is that the drivers, when they want to activate it, they push a button before they go through a certain uh, part of the track, which is off the racing line. And... They get an extra 25 kilowatts for a certain period of time, which is at you know, the track's discretion of, of what they think <laughs> they will um, ideally make it make it interesting. Mm. So mm. Uh, I think both times has been four minutes. Am I right, Toby? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think uh, as Nath was alluding to, um, I was missing the pit stop element because I do like yeah. I do like Formula E as a team sport, but really, it's it's brilliant. Love it. I think it's it's great. It's added. You know, we we lost that little bit of strategy, and you know, when are they going to change cars? Is it this lap? Do they try and eke it out for another lap? You know, that was always a really entertaining thing to watch from a spectator's point of view. Um, and now having that attack mode, it's. You know, it's it's replaced it, but it's actually it's added a lot more in my feeling as well. Um, you know, there's so much more strategy at play in trying to, um, you know, we saw it in in the last race in Marrakesh trying to estimate when the safety car was going to come out, how that um, influences your influences your decision of when to take it, and um, yeah, it's it's been really exciting so far. 
Yeah, I guess, uh, well, last race, both Nissan cars got a bit screwed over, but uh, this time, yeah, it was, people were, were fighting for the front and just getting back in on the same position, not losing a position Yeah, when they were taking the attack mode. So I think everyone was uh, was definitely practicing and um, getting away with it, mm. which is quite cool. Mm. Yeah. And especially, especially after after Marrakesh, all the drivers' feedback was, as as opposed to Saudi Arabia, good as well, because I had a few drivers complain about attack mode and the location of the activation zone in Deria, obviously being right behind the apex of of the final corner. Yeah, and especially if you if miss you, it uh, on your first and. Second or if try. You miss it twice. <laughs> yeah. Ask Did you have? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure he would have loved that question. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but but anyway, I think Saudi Arabia attack the the implementation of attack mode was a bit clumsy, but this time out in Marrakesh, it was fantastic location. Couldn't have done it any better, in my opinion, and the the drivers enjoyed it as well. Excellent. More of that. More attack mode. Hopefully, we get a couple of attack modes and a couple of uh, couple of races. Wouldn't that yes, be a thing? Please. Two attack mode spots. Where are you going to take it? Ooh, ooh, yeah. good idea. Yeah. Oh well, Formula E, if you're listening, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fan boost, right? So, Nath, obviously, you're not a big fan of the fan boost, but this might change part of your decision on it. Daniel Apton, Lucas Degrassi missing out for the first time in ages. I know it was a lot more even this time. Yeah, probably the most exciting fan boost we've had um, for a while. Yeah, we've got Sebastian Buemi getting it again. Pascal Verline on debut getting it, um, although he didn't last very long. But we'll get into that. Um, Felipe Massa, of course, um, and Antonio Felix da Costa. He he seems like a really the the fans seem to love Antonio, um, and I think last race didn't you know didn't hurt that obviously, but he seems really favourable, um, and of course Stoffel Van Dorn coming from Formula One and winning the fan boost yet again. Mm. Toby, are you a fan of the fan boost or are you a bit meh? Ooh, oh, don't get me started on fan boost. I mean, it's a good idea generally to kind of include the fans in what's happening on the track. But I feel that attack mode... Oh, not attack mode, I'm sorry. Fan boost is easy to manipulate. There's been a story that's been going out a couple of years ago, I think, and where a journalist uncovered that fan boost results were being rigged, in fact. And I think they improved the system a lot since then, However, it's still easy to influence. Um, I don't have any any hard proof of that, but the fact that both Audi drivers were winning fan boost since Berlin 2016, that was the last time they didn't get the fan boost. Mm. And after Berlin wow. 2016, on, on the Karl Marx Alley, so when they both collided and everything, uh, so a long, long time ago, They've been winning each and every fan boost. Not both of them at every time, but one of the two Audi apt drivers always won fan boost since then. And it kind of seems possible to me that with them being such a big company, them just sending out an email to every employee, vote for us on fan boost, mm. and that gets them a couple of thousand votes. So just, it's a theory. Mm. I have nothing to confirm. Yeah. That. That's just me thinking out loudly. That might be possible. Van Dorn obviously has a big fan base from F1 still. Same applies to Massa. But, I mean, that's just my weird theory, probably. But maybe Audi... I mean, it's it's obvious that they've done something um, to, to influence, mm. at least, fan boost. They should have tried a bit harder this time. Um, yeah. Apt getting sixth. Um, 7.02%, Pascal Verline just pipping him, 7.17, so very mm. close, very, very close. Yeah. But uh, 7 seems the magic number that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Are we are we seeing drivers still using fan boost um, constructively throughout the race, or has that kind of been sidelined um, somewhat by the, um, the new 
uh, a tech mode. Uh, that's a really interesting talking point, actually, because most, th- yeah. yeah, most of them seem to only use it for defense. And unfortunately, I think. Let me just check that. I'm not completely sure about that, but I thought form formerly made the use of fan boost mandatory throughout the race. But I think I'm just checking it now that not every driver used 250 kilowatts in the race. If I remember, there there have only been two drivers who used fan boost in the Mm. race. Mm. Well, that might have been because um, Pascal Verlein and Stoffel Van Dorn didn't get to, you know, didn't get the chance. Yeah, Um, sure. So you've only got three people in a... Buemi used it, Da Costa used it to... I think he used it to attack Alexander Sims in the race. Right. And who else was there? Who else won it? Massa. Massa. Buemi used it? And did Massa use it? Let me just check that. Mm. He did not. Hmm. Right. Interesting. Something to um, to keep an eye on in in future races. Yeah. And that's another point to criticise about fan boost, because drivers are not applying it as as formerly intends Mm. to. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, moving anyway. on. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Here we go. This was interesting. I I enjoyed the uh the carnage of of qualifying. So we had uh a qualifying where Sam Bird and uh Robin Frains were, were compromised. Tom Dillman couldn't get the car stopped or there was a glitch and basically rammed the back of Robin Frains, who in turn uh was behind Sam Bird and hit his diffuser. They were in Park Fermi after that and couldn't change it, couldn't do anything to the cars. So um, I think there was an interview with Sylvain Filippi, the uh, team boss of Envision Virgin, and he said, very, very strange. I think there's only been one other time where there's been something like that happen. That was interesting. However, uh, the, the drivers that got to Super Pole, Mitch Evans, Alexander Sims, Sebastian Buemi, Antonio Felix da Costa, Jean-Eric Verne, and Sam Bird. And Sam Bird coming out on top, even with diffuser mm. damage. What a lap. Oh, what an what absolute... Um, oh, that, I mean, that you've got to give it to him. I yeah. mean, with, with a car that, you know, it's probably not the quickest of the bunch, but still, just every corner was smooth. Um, it, it it just amazing. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. And had they had some earlier mechanical difficulties as well with their water pump that they'd had to resolve? Oh yeah, yeah. Every Audi car had it. Oh, I don't know if every Audi car had it, but certainly some water pump issue affected Audi cars. Lucas Grassi right. had to change it. I think Sam had to change the rear end of his car before qualifying as well. So it's related to the Audi right. powertrain. Uh, with the same problem affecting at least these two cars. I'm not sure if all four cars were affected by it. So, yeah, as you say, really difficult warning for Envision Virgin Racing, and they still put it on pole, or Sam did. A fantastic, fantastic lap, spot on at every corner. Our man Mitch Evans making a mistake, unfortunately, in Super Pole, but uh, hopefully um, hopefully he's back, back stronger. Yeah, great to see him in Super Bowl. And outdone PK, first two races of the season. Got to be happy oh, yeah. with that, Nathan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, as, you, as you may not be aware, we're, um, you know, being being Kiwis and New Zealanders, we're, we're big Mitch Evans fans. You know, just having a, a New Zealand driver out there, that's that's awesome for us. Well, we're, we're kind of crossing our fingers as Hartley gets the Porsche seat, but we'll... Yeah, we'll talk about that later in the season when it gets uh, announced. Let's hope so. <laughs> Our predictions for Marrakesh. Um, we do we do uh, a, a prediction poll, and uh, Dan from Formula E reviews. He he also does it with us, so um, he chose De Costa, Verne, uh, Pascal Werlein, Degrassi, Lotra, and Evans for Super Bowl. He chose Lotterer, Verline, and Verne for the podium, and his first retirement was PK Jr. I had Verne, Lotterer, Boemi, Evans, and Dillman. Don't know why I chose Dillman. He uh, wasn't having the best of races, but that's all right. Um, and Evans, Dillman, and Verne. 
again come on tom come on <laughs> um and the first retirement gary paffett so i wasn't <laughs> too far off there but uh yeah so for um for my predictions i had um let me just get this in the right order for super pole um I didn't go into as much detail. I was just predicting uh, Apt or Bird to to take out Superpole, um, so that's a uh, that's a that's a tick there, and I'll claim it. Um, <laughs> uh, for the podium, um, look, I thought after Jeff came out swinging in uh, in Riyadh, um, I thought he was uh, a strong contender for the podium. Yes, I was disappointed very quickly in the race with that prediction. And for the first retirement, um, just one of the the new drivers, um, someone who is you know, new team, new new driver for the season, which uh, you know proved to uh, to be pretty pretty on the money. Yeah, Stoffel mm. Van Dorn, unfortunately, first retirement. What happened in the race? It was incredible. I really enjoyed this. Vernon Bird on the front row, and uh, Vern decides after having what looked like a pretty terrible start to go down the inside and try and get round bird and spins and takes out half the field oh, behind the him oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well he tries um degrassi degrassi ends up going into uh, pascal verline which he, he retires with his diffuser and um degrassi has massive damage on his uh on his nose and and half the front of the car but still manages to carry on but what a chaotic start! It's it's like when you sit down to a movie and it just it's just straight into it, you know. Yeah, no time to warm up and, and get settled <laughs> and, and grab the popcorn, you know. It's just bam. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I th- I think Vern had a bad start or, or at least a bad getaway or off the line. Yeah, and he was he feeling does. the pressure from Wemmy behind, and he was coming closer and coming closer, and I think just. I think Vern just forgot about mm. his breaking point and just piled into Sam Bird, got turned by sideports, and it reminded me of Sebastian Vettel a couple of years ago in, in, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, when he was fighting for the championship. I think it was 2012. He was uh, yeah, facing the other, si- <laughs> the, yeah. the other side uh, and still trying to win the championship. Vern was similar to that, and of course... Rolling backwards across the track, drivers having to avoid him, going around the outside. Buemi, I think, lost eight eight spots due to him or due to him having to to yeah wave around mm. Vern. Uh, so a chaotic, yeah. chaotic start. And as you say, Pascal Verlein being taken out by Degrassi there. Degrassi, of course, had the damage and major damage to his nose. Really, must have affected his aerodynamic. Oh, features of the car yeah i mean aerodynamic aerodynamics isn't as important in fe as it is in f1 but still it's a different it surely was a different yeah. car to drive for him and verline obviously being taken out with diffuser damage rear axle damage suspension all the other things that could go kaput on, a, on the rear right. end of the race car and <laughs> yeah. everything just dead. <laughs> yeah, everything was just dead at, at the back of his car, and he retired after lap one. And another story from the start: both HWA drivers, of course, coming together, right? Oh, and Toto Wolf, the uh, Mercedes boss, Formula One, was watching with James Vowles. Yeah, uh, so not probably not what they wanted to see from from their team um obviously hwa going to be the mercedes factory team for season six yeah just just going back to um to the to Vern's moves off the line do you think that was that was always a planned move for him to go for that or do you think that was just a spur of the moment and, and forgetting no, about it no no Mm. No, I don't think so. I yeah, think, I think he, the latter. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as Toby said, he might have come under pressure and thought, "I'm screwed if I stay here." Or, um, but I, I think it's maybe, maybe he just thought he had the pace. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I mean, that's always the case. Drivers trying to think about how they're going to behave in turn one, and then mm. things pan out differently. And I think that was just not part of his plan going into turn one. And maybe he did mm. track under pressure. I don't know. But fact is, he he yeah. Yeah, missed his breaking point, basically, and drove into bad. 
good pace from the BMW guys yet again. I think I had them in my prediction 8th. Now, I'm going to retract that because there's no way that those two guys are going to get 8th in the championship. <laughs> um, I was wrong. <laughs> I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> and I apologize to all you BMW fans out there. I uh I didn't think they would they would have a chance, but uh Andretti BMW, mm. well done. That was uh some good pace, but that would very quickly get undone. Uh Virgin quick also, but obviously Bird with the damage. Uh struggled, I would say, quite a bit more than Frains. And Degrassi struggling. So D'Ambrosio, he was free to come through the field. What do you think of his drive? Amazing. Outstanding drive by D'Ambrosio. He was... There, there was a big, big fighting group, I think, from positions one to six, and everybody was shuffling around there. And I think D'Ambrosio was one of the only ones who never really lost a position in all the, all of that fighting. And where did he start from? I think P8, if I'm not not mistaken. Uh, he started, it was around there, I think. No, P8 was Frames. P10 even. D'Ambrosio started, started from 10th, and of course... What a drive. Yeah, I mean, he had the advantage of all of his rivals being taken out by Werner turn one, but he still mm. put on a good show and still had to overtake Haas. Had a love, well, he, I think, in my, in my opinion, he was the driver making the best use of, of attack mode. Never lost, lost a position, almost did to one of the Nissan drivers, but... Never lost a position using attack mode. Fantastic, fantastic drive for him. And then, of course, could profit from this one particular scene towards the end of the race, which brought him all the way to the front. So we've we've touched on this uh, this one particular scene a few times, but um, um, fill us in, Dean. The BMW cars? Oh, yeah. Oh, the BMW cars. Now... There was a, an interview afterwards, and uh, Antonio Felix da Costa takes fault, but I'm not entirely sure. The two BMW cars quite clearly out in front and going to easily, in my thoughts, take a one-two finish if there was no other shenanigans or if there was going to be a safety car. Alexander Sims decides to go on the outside, locks up as he's uh, getting to the corner, and uh, Antonio decides to defend locks up a wheel and goes into him bounces off and hits the wall <sighs> almost almost alexander sims joins him but uh, manages to get it stopped and uh, pull out and and uh, loses mm. loses second and gets gets fourth what 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 are they doing i don't know it, after we had that incident in um santiago with um uh, <laughs> with the two teammates, yes, yeah, you know, crashing into each other. You know, it 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 had that written all over it again. But um, this one ended far worse. It did. I mean, if you if you're gonna do something like that, you got to make it stick. You can't just take your teammate out, and obviously that uh, relegates them yeah. in the team standings as well as you know going for the mm. going for the world championship. So and definitely helps Vern and. And uh, yeah. Dan it's interesting. Just going back to the the, the BMW incident, this race. Um, afterwards, in the interview with uh, with Sims, he seemed to indicate that he was just cruising behind um, behind DeCosta and and losing time with with other other um, cars catching up on them. So he was pretty keen to to get around the corner and push in front, so he could get some clear air and actually um, mm. drive even better. Yeah, spot on. I think BMW did lead by around five seconds at one point, and then they started losing time, and I was watching the timing screens, and it became apparent pretty quickly that the other drivers behind, so these, I mean, I, I talked about these top six drivers being just one big pile of cars battling one another, and the other four were catching rapidly, mm. more than a second a lap, and it was apparent that Sims had to make a move in order not to lose out on on the others catching them, and he tried it and was round the outside as as you said, Dean, around turn seven, a really really quick left hander, and well, just like Vern in, in lap one, I think Da Costa just forgot about about hitting the brakes, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. 
drove yeah. into into Sims, drove him off the road, and drove himself into into the tire barrier. Yeah, he was uh, a broken man. I, I really felt for him actually. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I did too. Especially when you're when you're out on the outside of the track, and then you've got to make your way back to the uh, to the pits in the team garage. That and you just you just want to uh, just walk away and go back to your hotel room, wouldn't you? And and board the next flight home. Yeah. And then, and then you got journalists like Toby going and asking questions about what happened. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, it's very unfortunate. So, driver of the race, guys. Oh, D'Ambrosio. I I couldn't uh, I couldn't argue with that. I I see I see. Uh, yeah, it's it's probably a lot of people's favourite driver for the race, and I think it's it's well deserved. Yeah, he's he's mine also. He did also get the official driver of the day. I, I don't know. Toby? Might be, might be. DHL gives Stive the driver of the day, doesn't it? Don't they? I think so, yeah. I saw it on yeah. Twitter somewhere. Yep. Brilliant. Um, Shall we quickly talk about uh, Jev's comeback drive as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we should. If you leave, if you leave out the turn one incident. Yeah, so, 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 so if you um, lo- leave out turn one, he had a fantastic race as well. He dropped back to, I think, P21. So last, technically, because drivers were retiring all around him and after all retirements I think he was running 19th and of course without the pit stops there's little margin for error with the other Mm. teams and he still made the best use of his DS powertrain and just drove through the field took up position after position and ended up almost getting onto the podium of course after the BMW incident there was a safety car and had it not been for that safety car he ended up fifth, I think. Had it not been for the safety car, I think he might have been on the podium as well. A fantastic drive by by Vern, um, classic Vern drive, really. Yeah. Um, great performance. Yeah, he's brilliant I, at that. I still feel like throughout, you know, we've only had two races so far, but we haven't seen the full potential of Vern yet. No, I don't. Not think of this so. season, at no, least. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I think the. Uh, Tester yeah. cheaters are, are very quick. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, if BMW and Mahindra and you know Virgin can keep them keep them at bay. Yeah, I was wondering if it was going to be just a complete runaway, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean it's just fantastic to see the this many teams battling it out for for the championship. Mm. I mean we're already talking about the championship after race two. We shouldn't be doing that, <laughs> but still, it's what everyone does, isn't it? Really. Yeah, sure. But but I think DS and Mahindra and BMW and Virgin slash Audi, theoretically, all they, they could all be level in terms of performance. Mm. And that's what you see in, yeah. in the team standings, just smoothly transitioning it to the, to the standards. We have DS now leading with 47 points ahead of Mahindra with 40 on equal points with BMW. So we have 47 at the top, 40, 40, and then 36th with, Vir- 36 with Virgin. Um, so four teams basically on the same point standing. Yeah. Um, so, so really interesting. And then uh, N- Nissan, Panasonic, and Audi, 18, 15, and 14. So pretty close as well. Unfortunately, Dragon, Neo, and Venturi all with a big... Big zero, unfortunate. But uh, I think I think they can they can definitely come back. And I did have Neo up quite a bit further, so hopefully they can pick up a few <laughs> points. Come on, Tom. You're still you're still counting on Tom Dillman to to carry you through. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. I don't know. Just something about his drives last season. Just you know, kind of sticks with you. Like, yeah, you're 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 a really good driver. You should. You know, you should pick up quite a few points. I mean, we don't know the potential of the Neo car, but uh, yeah, mm. I think yeah, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, at, le- at least in, in qualifying, I think all 10 or 11 teams, all 11 teams have a chance at bringing the car and putting the car on pole. And after pole position, it's well easier in Formula E than it is in F1 for comparison to, to stay in the top 10. And I think Neo does have a good chance at scoring points in the next few races. Excellent. Okay, so, um, yeah, why don't you uh, follow on with the, the driver standings, Toby? Oh, good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so there's Jerome D'Ambrosio now leading the championship. 
that's a thing, a new thing. I never thought I'd say these words, but Jerome Dembrosio is actually leading the championship. He had four very, very difficult years with Dragon, and now with the new Mahindra car, he's flying. He is absolutely flying, and now leads by over 10 points ahead of Antonio Felix Acosta, who didn't come into the points obviously this this time out won the last the last race after pole position so he's still at 28 points on equal points with uh, Jean-Éric Verne um he came fifth in both races and he's ahead of his teammate Andre Lotterer and then Robin Fryens completes the top 5 so yeah, big takeaway from Mahindra, from Marrakesh. Mahindra is back, and they have a car to win races, and they now lead the championship, the drivers' championship with Jerome D'Ambrosio. Excellent, brilliant, brilliant. Now that we've got that out of the way, what a race! So Santiago has slightly been changed for this season. It was race four last season, race three this season. Now a two point five kilometer track, fourteen turns, uh, even though. You can kind of say that uh, 8, 9, and 10 are uh, a bit of a chicane. Some some interesting parts, especially 12, 13, and 14, Toby. Yes, yeah, really interesting, it's an interesting track. They had to move locations in, in Santiago after, well, residents really complained about the the build-up and tear-down of, of the track. It was really loud. They, That's a bit rude. They, they damaged uh, some... some old monument in front of some yeah. museum, I don't know, while building up the track. So residents were, yeah, they were not happy with Formery being there and they then had to move to the O'Higgins Park. And now the new track features, as you said, 14 turns and uh, not every tr- team has been driving the track in the simulator yet. Of course, they only get sim data three weeks in advance which makes it really well complicated mm. for most teams, especially with a new with a new track. We have no, or they have no idea how the track's going to be in in real life. And every day and every minute, really, in the sim, will pay off in the end. Um, Venturi didn't before didn't test in the the, the uh, Santiago track in the sim before Marrakesh. Mahindra did. I did learn that from Sam de Jong, who was testing uh, with Mahindra. And uh, he said it was just like riding a ball through Santiago. <laughs> he said he's really enjoying the track. Crikey. And it's going to be a fantastic and fascinating race race to watch. Obviously, turn, one's, turn, turn one really does look quick as opposed to last year. Last year it was this 90-degree right-hander. Now it's a bit more open, turn to similar, so that's going to be f- fantastic to watch uh, going down into turn one after the start. And then a bit of a Mickey Mouse part of the, of the circuit, um, two long straights with a bit of a turn and uh, to round off the, the lap, two hairpins. Uh, so probably the bit best overtaken opportunities and locations on the circuit. A good review of uh, of what we're going to see, or a good preview of what we're going to see. This may not mean much since it's a pretty new track, but uh, pole position went to Jean-Éric Verne, fastest lap Sam Bird in the podium, Jean-Éric Verne, André Loterer and Boemi. Loterer, obviously, last time out, <laughs> mounting Jeff's car and uh, almost putting them both on the wall. Well, I think uh, it might be a bit more, it might be a bit fairer <laughs> this time, considering what they just saw last race. Um, and uh, obviously Jean-Dre didn't suffer because of it, so I'm sure they're still, still I'm sure rows. after that last race, all teams, there was a, there must have been a memo out to all drivers and just a reminder, you know, just yeah, protect the team interests, guys. Let's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. These are they are massive teams, you know, BMW factory team. That is BMW. Yeah. It, mm. it, yeah. I mean, it looks bad for BMW. It would look bad for Tachita if that happened. Um, and and so now I want to get from you guys a prediction. Who is winning the Santiago E-Prix? Hmm. Good question. Um, I mean, there are these four teams 
or being in contention for race race wins. So it might be any DS Tachita driver, any BMW driver, any mm. of the Mahindra boys, any of the Virgin races, possibly even Audi. I have no idea who's winning the race. And an educated guess is that I think Jeff is winning his first race in season five. In I'm yeah. I'm really happy that my off the cuff guess is exactly the same as your educated guess. <laughs> I was um <laughs> educated in parameters, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. Who's doing it, but I'm I'm yeah. I might as well. Look, I think I think Jeff as well. You know, we haven't. He's he's had some you know obviously some amazing drives so far this season. Hasn't quite um, been able to get the results. That combined with you know his results last season, taking out pole position and then the podium as well. You know he's he's got he's got the the build ups there, the histories there. Um, I think I think this could be the race for him this season. Okay, I'm gonna throw out Robin Frains. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I was interested to see how he would stack up against Sam Bird, and I liked what I saw last race. So, yep, maiden win, first win, Robin Frains. Good on you. Exciting. Hmm. I, I'll have to correct myself. I think earlier I said that Vern finished fifth in uh, Riyadh, but he didn't. He wasn't on the podium. He was second. So even more of an indicator that he's going to be on the podium in Santiago. <laughs> <laughs> the educated guess comes through. All righty. And, and with that, we will end the show. So, Toby... Where can you be found on uh, everywhere around the web? Do you have a, a Twitter, Facebook? Mm, I think it's easier f- to find me on Twitter. I do have Facebook, of course, but that's all private. I think the easiest way to get in contact is using Twitter. Uh, at Toby Tweetins. that's where you can find me. Apart from that, maybe eFormalDE, if you understand German. I think only if you do, but if you do, check out eFormalDE. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Twitter at Toby Tweetings or eformal.de. Nice. Do you have any uh, further further bits to to talk about? Well, look, I just want to say, um, Toby, thanks so much for joining us. Um, it's been a real pleasure to to you know hear of your experiences and your far closer insights into the uh, the runnings and the. Uh, the 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 laughs and the drama behind Formula E. So thank yeah, thanks so much for joining us. I know the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for having me on. That's that's yeah. I mean, if you if you decide you want to get up early once again, then um, <laughs> we'll we'll definitely definitely have you back on. So yeah, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. So we um we're very thankful to have have someone that's actually going to these races and um someone that's a bit bit closer to the action than New Zealand um, to be able to to talk to us and and, and give that insight to our listeners. So thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Alrighty. Uh, If you want to talk to us, uh, we can be found at hello at regenracingpodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and regenracingpodcast.com. And if you have a bit of time, please give us a rating on Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you again. See ya.